Anthony Lamb is back with the Houston Rockets for another go-around. We'll get into that. We'll talk about the Rockets getting absolutely demolished in the second half against the Dallas Mavericks, putting up just 38 points in the second half. But we did see a maybe not quite a masterclass from Alperin Shingun, but a really, really strong performance out of Alp off the bench in this one. We're going to get into his aggressiveness and his style of play. We'll also get into Steven Silas's thoughts on the Rockets' double big lineup, the potential, the possibility of seeing it more in the future, as well as New York lifting the vaccine mandate, allowing unvaccinated players to be allowed to play home games. What does that mean for the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving, and the Brooklyn Nets pick that the Rockets own? We're going to take a look at all of that coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. Now, today's episode, we'll talk about the prodigal son returning Anthony Lamb back in a Rockets uniform. We'll also get into Alperin Shingun's performance against the Dallas Mavericks. The Rockets' second half collapse against the Luka-less Magic. I almost said Magic. I, I thought Luka Magic and then like it like got tongue twisted. Anyways, the Rockets' second half collapse against the Dallas Mavericks, posting just 38 points in the second half. What did the Dallas Mavericks defense do to make life so difficult for the Houston Rockets? We'll also get into Steven Silas' thoughts and just kind of philosophy on the double big lineup and why we're seeing more of it to end the season when we didn't see it for stretches earlier this season. And lastly, we'll talk about the fact that New York has lifted the vaccine mandate for athletes. Now Kyrie Irving being able to resume activities upon home games with the Brooklyn Nets, how that possibly impacts the Rockets pick. Well, the Brooklyn Nets pick that the Rockets own. Words are hard. But we got to start with the most important news. Clearly the most important news for the entire Rockets organization. Earth-shattering news. Anthony Lamb back with the Houston Rockets on a two-way deal. Uh, I was kind of scratching my head when the Rockets made this move. Obviously, earlier this season, they converted Dacian Nix to a legitimate NBA deal, which was exciting for Nix, exciting for his possible future with this Rockets organization. So they had a free two-way spot open. Now, I was kind of racking my brain trying to figure out why, and there were only two possible like reasons as to why the Rockets would pull Anthony Lamb back up on a two-way deal. And it came down to two things, and it's clearly one versus the other. But one was possibly maybe the Rockets are, you know, entertaining the idea of shutting down some of the vets as we're, you know, getting into the tail end stretch of the season. And if they were to do that, you want to have, you know, your 10th, 11th, 12th guys on the bench to be able to soak up some, you know, possible garbage time minutes later on, you know, in some of these games if they're turning into just absolute massive blowouts, right? 
So that was possibility number one. Possibility number two is that it had some salary cap implications and the ability for the Rockets to retain Anthony Lamb's rights going into this offseason. And that is actually the case, as many people pointed out online, is that the Rockets need, I believe, Anthony Lamb to be with the team for 15 NBA calendar days, I think was the was the metric, to be able to make him an unrestricted free agent this offseason. And seeing as how two-way deals are ridiculously cheap, especially at this point in the season, it was kind of a no-brainer for them to just, hey, two-way deal here, you're, you're, you're I apologize, restricted free agent, not unrestricted free agent. You're a restricted free agent this offseason in case the Rockets want to revisit that possibility, in case they want to, you know, keep Anthony Lamb under under their under their roof, all that stuff. So that's kind of the big Rockets news, right? Is and you know, I I considered doing an emergency podcast to talk about one Anthony Lamb returning to the Houston Rockets organization. No, I kid, I kid. But with that, uh the other side of this Rockets. Mavericks game. I mean, the Rockets played a decent first half. Like, you know, it wasn't pretty by any stretch of the imagination. Neither teams really played a pretty game of basketball until the Mavericks started to take over there in the second half. And a big part of that was the Dallas Mavericks defense. And when when the Rockets as a team shoot just four of 28 from three, a hair over 14%, it's going to make it hard to win any kind of basketball game. But it's not because it's because that's how the Mavericks played their defense, right? So they tuck their guys in, they, they shrink the well, yeah, they shrink their defense in and create a really nice shell that basically packs the paint. And it forces the Rockets to be in a position where they've got to take, you know, a ton of three-pointers to even have a hope of of beating the Dallas Mavericks because that's just the way their defense is designed. They're designed to shrink into the paint and to force you to take those outside shots because they understood their scouting, right? They understood that the Rockets are not, you know, the greatest three-point shooting team. And while there might be a couple guys on the roster who are individually solid three-point shooters, like I'm looking at you, Christian Wood, you know, as a team, as a collective unit, the Rockets are not a good three-point shooting team. And in this one, when you have one of your best three-point shooters go one for five after hitting eight of nine in the previous game, it doesn't exactly bode well. So credit to the Dallas Mavericks defense because they made life really difficult for the Rockets. This was a physical game. Like, there was a, there were bodies flying left and right. The officiating felt like it got better as the game went on. But especially early in the game, I felt like the Rockets were getting the short end on a lot of calls. I mean, you had Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr. in foul trouble for a majority of the game. See Wood even having to sit for an extended stretch after picking up his third foul early. It was one of those where it what bought and what this is what like ultimately is has me so unhinged occasionally about officiating is you'll have one play on one end where it's like, okay, yeah, there was some contact there. It's a physical game. Maybe they could have blown the whistle, right? And I'm thinking like the, the opportunities where KPJ drives in, you know, gets knocked down to the floor. There's some contact. And you're like, okay, well, maybe it's a call. Maybe it's a no call. You know, some 50-50s, maybe some 60-40s where like it's 60, it should have been a call, right? Situations like that. Or like LPs like in the paint getting hacked. And like, he's like, where's the foul? Like situations like that, right? And then I would, I could live with that if they called it both ways. But it felt like, on the other end, the Mavericks would then drive it in, have a similar level of contact, a similar level of like initiating, be it a driver driving in, or be it you know a, a big going for the offensive rebound, cr- crashing the glass, things like that, and whistle, right? And you'd be like, 
Like, what's the deal here? And so I don't normally subscribe to the whole like home field advantage or like, you know, rookie whistle or all these different things. You know, I get it. It, it, it sucks when it feels like your team is getting screwed by the refs. But as I was watching this game, especially in the first half, I was like, yo, these refs are on something tonight for sure. Because it really did feel like the Rockets could not get the benefit of the whistle. And sometimes that's just how the dice rolls in these NBA games. And it's unfortunate, but it was a physical game. Again, bodies flying everywhere. It really felt like the Rockets matched that physical intensity, especially in the first half. They didn't feel like they rose to the occasion in the second half, but especially in the first half, led by... Alper and Shingoon, it felt like the Rockets did a good job to match the Mavericks' physicality. And I want to talk about Al P and his game in this matchup against Dallas. Specifically, we're going to get there after a quick message from my friends over at Truebill. Because look, do you know why? Free trials renew without your consent. It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your hard-earned money. Download Truebill to finally take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill. What could you do with an extra $720 in your back pocket? Because companies make subscriptions so hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap, one click, one button press. It is that easy. Don't fall for any more subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. And another message from our friends over at NBA Top Shot. Because look, NBA Top Shot is the officially licensed NFT of the NBA. Connect with a community of hundreds of thousands of NBA fans as a natural progression of fantasy sports, a way to upgrade your experience as an NBA fan. Look, this is the next step in being an NBA fan. This is what the future of being an NBA fan looks like. And it's it's so cool. It's one part trading cards. It's one part stock market, one part fantasy sports, one part like loyalty program because last season, it, Top Shot actually flew out some collectors to game five of the NBA finals, which is pretty, ins- that's a pretty insane experience if you can imagine. Investors include the likes of Michael Jordan and Kevin Durant, not to mention others like Will Smith. I mean, the list goes on and on for people who have taken the chance to get into NBA Top Shot. And look, I had my doubts about Top Shot, right? When when I first heard about it, I was like, well, why? Like, why why would I like pay money to own like a video or, you know, whatever? And the more that I learned about it and the more that I got involved in the community, I really started to understand it's it's about earning or about, you know, having a piece of NBA history that is exclusive to your collection, right? It is very much like trading cards. If that's something you've ever been interested in or involved in in whatever capacity, it's very much like that. And I was skeptical at first, but after opening my first pack and, you know, seeing some of the seeing some of the moments that I was able to pull out and and really starting to get into it, I'm I'm kind of like I've I've dug myself into the rabbit hole and I think it's something that you should check out. I feel like you'd really enjoy it. And right now, NBA Top Shot has an offer for our listeners. You can sign up today at locked on NBA Top Locked on dot NBA Top Shot dot com. So again, NBA Top Shot is the future of being an NBA fan. Own officially licensed rare NFTs of the greatest moments in NBA history. Again, sign up today at LockedOn.NBATopShot.com. And continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Alperin Shingun, always, 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 always Alpi. Look, if, if there was one... 
one silver lining from this Rockets Mavericks game. It's that we got to see another really impressive performance from Alper and Shingun. And it's it, it feels like it's a consistent thing. When Alpi is able to get, you know, more than 20 minutes on the floor, it feels like he consistently puts up really, really solid numbers, really solid production. Uh, 14 points on 6 of 12 shooting, 1 of 3 from downtown. He had 11 boards. He had 2 assists, 2 steals, no no turnovers in 22 minutes played. Like a really, really solid night from Alper and Shingun. And I think uh, I think the, the my, like my two favorite highlights from the evening regarding Alpi were he had the offensive rebound and putback where he just like soared into the paint was was so physical right i talked about the physicality of this game against the mavericks and no luka doncic they're trying to scrap they're trying to you know jalen brunson spencer did when he taking the majority of their offensive shots all of that but this game was just really physical from the jump and i felt like al p was one of the few rockets if 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 not possibly the only rocket to really match that level of physicality i mean he walked away with four offensive rebounds on this one jay sean tate also i should i should give credit jay sean tate always matches the level of physicality in a game but that said uh al p had that one offensive rebound where he soared in pulled down the board took the quick power dribble and like went back up and and you know yammed it home and watching al p like grow into more of a physical presence has been a really cool development this season, right? And it, it did kind of feel like earlier on in the season, he was a lot more, and he's still very much like a finesse type player, right? Al P has his array of spins, post moves, all of that. He's got the flourish, everything. But that said, it's been really cool to see him have these opportunities to put the ball on the floor, to make something happen for himself and to create opportunities at the rim where he's not shying away from dunking like immediately. And I felt like, and I, I felt historically that that's something that sometimes uh, overseas players start to adjust to later in their NBA careers, or it takes them a little bit of time to realize that they, you know, being finesse is cool. And like, if you have finesse to your game, awesome. But sometimes it feels great to just take the ball and dunk it straight in the rim, put your armpits in the rim, whatever, like that kind of mentality. And because that can energize you, it can energize your team. I mean, we saw it with Christian Wood when he got the dunk on Kristaps Porzingis against the Wizards. Like dunks provide like a baseline level of like, it's one of those kind of hard to quantify intangibles for your team. But when you get a highlight play, right, on offensively, especially if it's like a dunk like that, it, it lifts your team up a bit. And so seeing Alper and Shingu kind of have that level of physicality to his game, adding a bit more of that, kind of some more of that FU to his to his swagger, to his bag, has been really cool to see develop through the season. And then this, the other highlight, which was just chef's kiss, Alpi hitting Jalen Green, cutting baseline for a beautiful dunk at the rim. I mean, watching those two work in tandem with one another has been an absolute pleasure. They are the future of this Houston Rockets team. And so to see those two guys kind of work in conjunction with one another and feed off of each other, it's upsetting that we haven't seen it more this season because you'd think as the number two overall pick and the number 16 pick with you know an insane amount of potential under their belt that we would see more reps of those two guys together. And we've seen it a little bit more this second half of the season, but unfortunately that's just been the dynamic with Christian Wood being the starting five, Alperen Shingun being the backup five, and those two guys kind of being tethered together in regards to their minutes and not really being able to have them on the floor at the same time. Now, earlier this season, 
Stephen Silas spoke about, you know, not necessarily about having some reservations, right? About playing those two at the same time. So with the recent success of Christian Wood and Alper and Shingun, which since the All-Star break, nine games played together, now 10 with the Mavericks game. So the numbers may have changed a little bit. But with 10 games played together, nine games before the Mavericks game, because when I did my research, but uh, Al P and C. Wood actually have the best two-man net rating lineup for, or are the best two-man lineup net rating for the Houston Rockets. And so I asked Steven Silas about the double big lineup and kind of what he's seeing. Hey, Steven. Um, <laughs> Post-All-Star break, uh, Christian and Al P have the best two-man lineup net rating for the team And earlier this season, you mentioned, you know, at times maybe having some reservations about playing those guys together. And we're seeing that a bit more as of late. So I'm just curious, what are you seeing that's been so encouraging about the minutes where those two guys are sharing the floor together and and why we're seeing more of it now as the season's coming to an end? (laughs) Yeah, it's funny you say that because I had a I had a um, conversation with Christian about that today. And um, they it's important for them to be able to play to play well together and um, making sure that when we have two bigs on the floor that we're spaced correctly and we're um, we're functioning well on offense and then rebounding and defending at the same level uh, at a, or a better level uh, when they're on the floor. I've been doing it in spurts. I've been playing them together uh, for the last, I don't know, 10 games or so where Alpi's my first sub for JT, and then they play together for a little while. Then I'll take Seawood out. Then Alpi will be out there by himself. And then same thing in the second half. And, yeah, they, they've played well together. Christian uh, has proven that he can defend certain guys on the perimeter well, uh, as long as he's not, like, which is natural. Like, he shouldn't be guarding guys running off screens and running around and, and whatnot. But if he's in help, he can be a good helper. He can be a good um low man and then alpi if he can stay out of foul trouble um with his technique which is getting better and better as we see uh can defend fives and can hold his ground and be physical and rebound the ball so having both of those guys out there together on both ends of the floor because alpi's passing ability his um natural ability to help his teammates play better um, makes it to where those guys can play well together. So I really like this answer from Steven Silas, honestly, because it is kind of illuminating in how he does view Christian as, you know, a solid perimeter defender situationally against certain guys. And then it also speaks to Alper and Shingun's development defensively, because that's been the biggest question mark. I think about can those two guys coexist on the floor is we've seen what those two guys look like offensively and I do like what Steven Silas has done with his substitution patterns where he's basically treating bringing Al P in as the as the de facto sub for Jay Sean Tate and so basically he's been cycling right Seawood start Seawood and Tate start Tate comes out Al P goes in double big for a little bit then KJ comes in for Wood and then they go back to playing you know kind of smaller with KJ at the four and Al P at the five I've loved that substitution pattern because Earlier in the season, when we had the starting lineup with the double bigs with Wood and with Tice, and then also Jay Sean Tate at the three spot, that's where we ran into so many issues with the spacing and with nobody honoring Tice and Tate as shooters and all of that. So 
moving away from that and still how having space to do the double big lineup and having three guys around those two bigs in C. Wood and Al P who are shooters and who can space the floor effectively is why we've seen that lineup have some really some really impressive success offensively. And then defensively, again, it does speak to Alperin Shingun's growth, his anticipation defensively. He had a play the other day against the Wizards, I believe, that it was where he was guarding the pick and roll. He had he was in drop. He was covering both the ball handler and the his roll man who had kind of like popped out but then was rolling baseline. And he didn't like overly commit one way or the other. And he anticipated the pass and like created a steal out of nothing. And we've already seen this season. Alpi has incredible, incredible hands, incredible like feel for where the ball is going to be, which is why he's been racking up so many steals just in his rookie campaign. But as he's growing, as he's getting better and, and more comfortable with, you know, guarding opposing NBA offenses and just getting more comfortable with the schemes that teams are running, that kind of stuff, we're seeing that growth out of him defensively. And it, it gives you hope that Seawood and Alpi, if Seawood is here past this offseason, right, that those two are your starting four and five next season. I don't think we'd see it this season because it's way too late in the season to make a shift to your starting lineup. Like once you've been with a certain starting lineup for so long. That's an important thing that I think we don't think about often. And I want to bring that point up at the top of segment three to round out the the thoughts from here about the Rockets starting lineup. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online because look, it's that time of year again. We got March Madness in full swing. They got the late Bet Online has the latest odds, contests, player props. BetOnline.net is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. Look, I don't know who you're pulling for in the tournament. Uh, I know who you should be pulling for in the tournament. If you're a Rockets fan, by association, you uh, maybe also are a University of Houston Cougars fan. Uh, the Cougars are currently the underdogs against Arizona. Arizona minus 126 to win their matchup. Uh, you know, I I, I think that you, you could make a little bit of money on Houston here, honestly, if you wanted to, but... Uh, the wildest discrepancy currently uh, on the tournament bracket is Purdue against St. Peter's. Uh, Purdue is minus 825 to win their matchup against St. Peter's. So, you know, Jaden Ivey and company uh, should have no issue there taking care of St. Peter's. But Bet Online has you covered with, you know, everything you can imagine. It's the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information and needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action available to you. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, final, want to follow up on that thought from the last segment about the Rockets starting lineup. And this is something that's really important for, I think, fans to, to consider, right? And this is the same thing that I think the Rockets were dealing with earlier this season with making the shift away from Daniel Tice. And a big part of this game, right? There, this isn't 2K. <laughs> and I, I, I try to urge this notion, right? The NBA isn't 2K. It's not, you know, players, you can't just hold down right trigger and make a player go 100-0, you know, for 36 minutes on the court. These are living, walking, breathing human beings with complex emotions and thoughts and all this, right? And so in that, not only do you balance the X's and O's, the on-the-court stuff, the production, all of that as well, right? But you're balancing personalities. You're balancing a locker room full of egos, full of, you know, potentially like individual agendas and stuff when it comes to a team. And... 
at this point in the season, you don't make a switch to the starting lineup when you're this late into the season, unless there's an injury or some other concern like that. But largely the Rockets de facto starting lineup has been the one that Steven Silas continues to default to, even though Rockets fans have been clamoring for Al P to get the starting nod at some point this season. And he's gotten the starting nod situationally, sure. But while Al P definitely started impressing as the season wore on and it became readily apparent, he's one of the, you know, easily one of the five best players on this Rockets roster and probably should be starting games. That's a really hard conversation to have with say, you know, Eric Gordon, Hey, we're going to pull you out of the starting lineup. Right. But EG is not exactly the one that you want to pull because we've already seen what happens when you have Jay Sean Tate at the three spot and you don't have any spacing, all that. So that's the hard conversation that has to be had. And I assume that's what we're going to see happen this off season is Jay Sean Tate. I would expect him to continue starting the rest of the season, but it's basically, I'm not saying Jay Sean Tate has run his course with the Houston Rockets. I think he absolutely still has a role with this team. But my biggest note for him coming into the season was he's got to be a consistent shooter. Hasn't hit that milestone yet. K.J. Martin has. K.J. Martin shooting 36% from behind the arc, right? That is a respectable three-point percentage. But Jay Sean Tate hovering down at 30%. That's really tough. Unless you're going to put four stellar shooters around Jay Sean Tate to take advantage of the fact that he can't shoot things are going to look really rough around the edges. So the Rockets aren't going to shift their starting lineup and move EG out of the starting lineup and have Jay Sean Tate down to the three and then start Alpi and have all these spacing issues from earlier this season when they ran the double big lineup. just doesn't make sense at this point, which is why we're seeing the increase in Alpi getting more and more minutes, even at the expense, you know, on most evenings of Jay Sean Tate's minutes, right? So against the Mavericks, Jay Sean Tate played 23 minutes. Alpi played 22 minutes off the bench. So we're starting to see that adjustment being made by Steven Silas. And I would assume, I'll make the prediction right now, that if Christian Wood is still here next season, obviously this is a little bit dependent on what happens in the draft, but Christian Wood and Alpi are probably going to start together in the future for this Houston Rockets team. Unless the Rockets move on from Christian Wood and have a front court that includes one of Jabari or Chet or Paolo next to Shingun, I would assume Shingun will be a starter next season. So for everybody like banging their drum about Shingun starting, he has proven enough this season to be a starter. And I would absolutely, the smart money is on Shingun starting next year, regardless of whether or not Christian Wood is here or not, which is why we're seeing more of the double big lineup as this season is winding down. So they have those data points. They can see what that looks like. And yeah, so that's that's my, my closing point there on that regard, or in that regard, I should say. Uh, one other point from this Rockets-Mavericks game, and that's on, I mean, just the team as a whole, right? Struggled to shoot the ball. Already mentioned the 4 of, 25, 4 of 28 shooting from downtown. Uh, offensively, felt like they were really, you know, the Mavericks did a really good job of mucking things up in the second half. The Rockets just could not get anything going, couldn't get anything inside, couldn't hit anything from outside, so the Mavericks defense was just conceding threes, all of that. But Jalen Green is very much a rhythm player, right? And I think that's what we've seen a lot of this season. And when he doesn't get opportunities to have the ball in his hands to try and create for himself, we see what happens in this Mavericks game. 3 of 11 shooting, 0 of 4 from downtown, was 2 of 2 at the charity stripe, had 4 boards, had 2 assists, had a block, 8 points. He had a couple dunks. He had one you know, sky-high alley-oop, which was impressive. He had the dunk that I mentioned earlier from Al P off that baseline pass. But overall, a really disappointing performance from Jalen Green. And it feels like it's it's one of those things where unless he gets 
adequate reps with the ball in his hands to kind of get, you know, get a feel for the game, kind of get into his motion, you know, kind of all of that, right? If that's when it feels like he struggles. And I, I felt like the Rockets in this one, especially, you know, there wasn't anybody clearly, evidently, except for Alper and Shingun off the bench. There really wasn't anybody in this game that had, you know, the hot hand, so to speak. I mean, maybe you make an argument for Jay Sean Tate of all people who did kind of have it going inside and was kind of getting whatever he wanted. But past that, there wasn't necessarily a hot hand. And when that happens, Jalen Green needs to be the number one option for this Rockets team. Right. The other night when Seawood popped off for 39, sure, keep feeding Seawood the ball. Absolutely. And that's what they did. And they did a great job of that. When there isn't a clear number one and there isn't a clear guy who is, you know, leaps and bounds better than anybody else in a given game, Jalen Green needs to be the focal point, needs to be the priority. And that's where I take some frustration with what this Rockets team is doing, what they look like on a nightly basis, what Steven Silas is doing, because it doesn't feel like they prioritize Jalen at all sometimes and that's ridiculous for him being the number two overall pick so with Jalen right another single digit scoring game uh, a little disappointing there um, I'm sure he'll bounce back uh, but it's just one of those where you look at it and if you go back and rewatch the game you're just like yeah he's not getting the touches that he needs to get unfortunately uh, which is why I'm a proponent of Jalen actually playing those garbage time minutes with other garbage time level players, meaning the young guys or end of the bench guys, because it allows him a chance to get into those reps and to get a feel, get a rhythm, see the ball go through the hoop, right? And hopefully maybe carry that into subsequent games. But with that, I do want to take a quick look at the situation over in New York with the vaccine mandate being lifted, the fact that Kyrie Irving will be able to rejoin the Knicks, or not the Knicks, why am I saying the Knicks? Oh, I need more coffee. Thought New York, thought Knicks immediately. That just shows that Brooklyn is always going to be in the Knicks' shadow, honestly. That Kyrie will be able to rejoin the Brooklyn Nets, the other team in New York, and what that means for the Houston Rockets and their pick situation. Obviously, we'd hoped that this vaccine mandate would continue on and that Kyrie would miss more of the remaining homestand for the Brooklyn Nets because the Brooklyn Nets actually do face, have a bunch of home games to wrap up the season. They got one, two, three, four, five, six of their remaining nine games are at home. Nice. Not nice for the Rockets. And so it would have been really incredible for the Rockets and the pick that the Rockets own by way of Brooklyn for Kyrie to miss those remaining six games and potentially also miss games as it relates to the playoffs or the play-in tournament as well. But when you look down the list of these games and you think about where the Nets are at with Kyrie Irving coming back into the lineup, I mean, the Nets with Kyrie, KD, with Seth, with Andre Drummond, even without Ben Simmons, are a incredibly formidable team. <sighs> I mean, I can go down this list and I think, like, at Miami, I mean, Miami just had a really embarrassing loss. Um, at Miami, I think maybe you go, like, that could go, that game could go either way. At, you know, at home against Charlotte and Detroit, they should win. Milwaukee's going to be kind of a toss-up depending on if they're resting Giannis down the stretch. At Atlanta, Atlanta's had a bad season this year. Against the Rockets, that's another one that the, the, the Rockets have a lot of incentive to win that game to increase their lottery odds from the Brooklyn Nets pick. So I And hopefully the Nets will be resting some guys when that game rolls around come April 5th. Uh, at 
New York is another one for the Nets. That's always a game that those two teams kind of get up to play against each other. So maybe the Knicks are able to steal one there. And then their final two games of the season against the Cavs and against the Pacers. The Cavs could very well be fighting for playoff positioning. The Pacers have nothing to fight for. So that should be an automatic guaranteed L. Uh, for the Pacers and a W for the for the Nets, but unfortunately throughout this situation, right, it's been kind of a weird year with vaccine mandate and Kyrie Irving and does he play, does he not play, home games, away games, all, all this mess, and now we're at a point where the Brooklyn Nets pick is currently sitting at 16 in the you know overall, it's it's just outside of being in the lottery, and when you look at the other teams that are floating in and around that area. You got the LA Clippers at 36 and 38. You've got the Charlotte Hornets at 37 and 36. And you got Atlanta at 36 and 37. Do we think that Brooklyn could drop enough games to fall into the lottery between now and the end of the season? Unfortunately, I think that pipe dream is now over. That was the hope, right? Is that maybe the Nets pick would fall just low enough for them to land in the lottery and have a shot at potentially jumping up a little bit in the lottery standings. And then the Rockets would have two juicy draft picks to be able to do whatever they want with, be it take both picks, be it package one of them with a, you know, with a current player or whatever to move up even further in the draft. All these different tantalizing opportunities with the Brooklyn Nets pick. That said, if the pick still falls somewhere between 15 and 20, I will be ecstatic given that I assumed that these these earlier on Brooklyn Nets picks would be nothing but, you know, 25 to 30 late first rounders. I think this is still an absolute win if you're the Houston Rockets, even if the pick doesn't have a chance to jump into the lottery and jump even further up. It's, you know, again... It would have been great to have it the other way, but that's just not sometimes how the cards play out. And there's still a chance, right? There's still a chance that the the Nets could, you know, struggle to wrap up the season. Maybe they struggled, you know, reintegrating Kyrie Irving into the lineup. You know, all these different variables at play. You never know with Kyrie Irving, honestly. So with that, I do want to do I do want to run a tankathon sim here really quick because I missed it on the last episode. I need to get back into the mindset of every episode run a tankathon sim. So with that, let's run these numbers and, ooh. Okay, not the end of the world here, but the Rockets did fall to number two overall. So San Antonio jumped up seven spots to the number one overall pick. So it's Spurs, Rockets, then Thunder, Magic, and Pistons rounding out the top five of this Tankathon Sim. So if I were the Spurs, which direction would I go? I'm going to say that the Spurs are going to take, I'm going to say Chet Holmgren to number one overall to the Spurs. Uh, which leaves Jabari Smith for the Houston Rockets. The Jabari Smith agenda continues to be strong as hell. So with that, that's going to do it for today's episode now that we got our Tankathon spin in. As always, appreciate you for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. Search Locked on Rockets on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. How do you feel about Alper and Shingun's performance against the Dallas Mavericks? What do you think about Jalen Green's lack of touches? What do you think about the situation with the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving being able to play the home games again? Let me know in the comments. I do look forward to reading those every single time we publish an episode. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.